1: That's stamps.com. Code program.
2: Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you have missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Let's talk now about uh, uh, what is going to happen to those 1.5 million people waiting letters from their GP telling them that they are so at risk from the coronavirus. That they must stay at home for 12 weeks minimum. Uh, Roy Lilly is a former NHS Trust chairman and joins us now. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Um, things seem an awful lot more serious today than they were last week. I think it's kind of all got a bit more real uh, for everybody now. Um, in terms of, uh, of of how we're going to um, help those 1.5 million people, um, the, the, the GPs are drawing up a list. These are people with a number of underlying health conditions, very vulnerable physically, people have been treated for some cancers and the like health conditions. The like They are going to get a letter from their GP in the next few days telling them they must. Must not leave their homes. Can you talk me through why these people have been selected?
3: Yes, um, these are people who've got underlying health conditions, a phrase that we've come to hear uh, so much about just recently, and uh, they'll probably be people who have had cancer and have uh, immuno Uh, suppressant drugs, there'll be people who have had transplants, there'll be people who are older and frailer, there'll be people who have been perhaps treated by specialists in hospital, there'll be people who um, have had recent operations and there'll be people who are uh, old and really frail. This is a massive undertaking. Um, Identifying it was a big issue because as uh, we've discussed before, NHS IT is very fragmented, often primary care, that's the doctors and GPs uh, systems don't talk to the hospital systems, the hospital systems don't talk to social services and social services don't talk to community services so effectively they've taken the Data Protection Act and, and put that through the shredder Everybody is now sharing data in a scramble to find who, uh, on their lists are the people that are the most frail. And this list has been uh, compiled. I imagine that there'll be a certain amount of overlap, and I'm, pro- I'm almost certain that people will receive probably one more than one letter because yeah. until the list is properly thinned out and, and, and properly screened, but they'll receive. Better, better,
2: to get two or three letters than none. I think is the crucial yes, thing. it though.
3: is, I, and I, the reason I say that is that. That you know everybody 's going to be very picky about this, and is it working, and why hasn 't my granny been contacted, and why has my uncle had three letters? You know this is going to be really uh, two two blasts from the shotgun uh, to to get the thing working it 's a massive undertaking then of course um, It'll be uh, masterminded by local authorities, uh, uh, along with the army. And I, I wondered actually why most of the supermarkets had stopped delivering or, or stopped taking uh, orders for delivering. And the reason for that is, of course, that they were clearing the decks to get themselves ready uh, for yeah. what could be three quarters of a million new customers. So indeed,
2: and of course, again, you know, you look. It may be nicer to be able to go and order your, order your stuff online and rather than going to the supermarket. But there'll be those of us who will be able to do that, people who are just completely unable to do that. Um, but it's not going to be just, it's not including, say, everyone over 70, this, is it? Because that would be far many more millions of people. These are the people at most most at risk. And this is crucially about um, preventing those people getting well, the most likely to get very sick, and the most likely also, let's be honest, most likely to die. Um, this is about really drastically cutting the, the, the death rate. Is there an argument, uh, which I've, I've heard people suggest... Um, in person to me uh well on the phone I haven't seen anyone in person for days uh or, or, or on social media that actually we could just in this country have just in other countries in europe a full lockdown of people who are vulnerable and people over 70 and everyone else carries on about their daily life uh, and the, and the who are largely healthy uh and unlikely to get the the virus seriously would that work or is that is that not being tried because it won't work
3: well this te- this takes us back to the original dilemma about herd immunity because we do need people to catch the virus recover and get back to work and keep the economy ticking over the difficulty with that is that it, the difficulty was with that argument was segregating out the people in the communities that would be very vulnerable so we've gone through um, dropping the herd immunity argument then we've gone to cocooning people if you remember that was the word that we, we were all using last week cocooning the elderly looking after them and now the new word is shielding people so we're going to shield them from the virus and, and and effectively lock them up for 12 weeks uh, and make sure that they can keep fed and watered and they get their medications and looked after because we can't be sure anymore that families are going to be able to do it and, and, and they'll be well to do it. So we've gone through these various stages. I expect uh, by the middle of this week that we will be in total lockdown. I think yeah. that, uh, you know, it's a political decision, maybe, but it's going to be a decision that's driven by the science and all the science says that we need to do a complete lockdown. So we've gone through various stages. Um, a lot of people will say we've, gone, we've taken too long to get through these stages. We should have gone to uh, a more comprehensive lockdown from day one. Uh, but look whether we should or we shouldn't that's you know we are where we are and I suspect that that's what's going to happen and that hopefully will help to take some of the pressure off the NHS because already even with only I think the 12 percent I think it is a very low percent of our ITU beds with patients with coronavirus in them being treated we're already chock a block because it already comes on top of everything else at the NHS we we operated
2: above 90% uh, already which is far higher than most other countries there are not enough ICU beds there are not enough ventilators we know there is a race on to develop those ventilators I think a lot of people thinking oh we should just have a massive supply of you know 40,000 ventilators of course these are there's not just a little bit of plastic these are hugely expensive you know tens of thousands of pounds machines that cost a lot of money and they're very complicated machines as well aren't they
3: they are, and what puzzles me is that there are several companies, and bless them for doing it, are now trying to invent their own sort of Emmett approach to what a ventilator does, and there's been you know, lots of publicity around the companies that are doing it, and they're all doing something different, which means we're, we're going to have thousands of machines there that are going to be different. They'll all need different kind of maintenance, calibration, people to come and do it. I don't know why. We've not just taken the patent of a, a machine that the NHS is used to working. With and we know works, and just farm that out and said to people, Go and make these. But as it is, people are now inventing three or four different types of ventilator, which is going to be very confusing for the staff yeah. and it's going to be very hard to maintain them. I, 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 I don't understand why, we, if we've got manufacturing capacity, we just don't make stuff that's working. And part of it, I'm told, when I looked into it, part of it I'm told is, is about components because they come in from the Far East and there's no assurance of the components. But even then, government has the power already without the coronavirus 19 2020 bill, which starts its way through parliament today. Even without that, government has the power to override patents if it's in the national interest. So uh, why are we doing it in this direction? I'm not does, really it does sure. seem
2: bizarre. Um, just finally, um, a huge number of doctors and nurses have signed up to that NHS appeal. Matt Hancock, the health secretary, we're going to speak to him a little bit later. He said in the first forty-eight hours, four thousand nurses, five hundred doctors, people who'd gone off the register have uh, volunteered to return to the NHS for the duration. I mean, heroes, every single one of them. But we know there's still a massive concern about personal uh, protective uh, equipment, um, the, the masks, the gowns, and the gloves and the like. The army, I understand now, is distributing those uh, those items. Are you hearing from within your your contacts in the NHS? I know you keep very many of them. That actually, that people are getting the PPE, as It's known that they need.
3: I've got to tell you the truth, and the answer to that question is it's patchy. A lot of a lot of places aren't. I mean, the the I think the signs were all there at the Health Select Committee last week when the um, the. Uh, uh, bosses of NHS England were asked about this and they and they said we are assured that the distribution is underway and there are no problems. Well, what they should have said is not we are assured, but we've looked into it and and here's the situation. I, I thought that was a very sort of dissembling answer, a very shifty answer. And if you put that with what we, what everybody listening to this program has seen in the press and from what my former colleagues and friends are telling me, there there is still a huge amount of difficulty in getting the right stuff to the right place. it's I mean, it's not a really difficult Difficult logistical. No,
2: it, this, we've got to yeah, I mean, it. get the get the army involved and, and just get it out there. Uh, we're going to talk to Tim Collins, actually, former British Army officer, about that in just a few moments. We'll have to leave it there. hugely appreciate you joining us, Roy Lilly, former NHS Trust Chairman.
1: Talk Radio
4: Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and the Times. Be well informed.
5: Ready to pop the
3: question?
2: Uh, right now let's talk about the 1.5 million very vulnerable people many of them elderly many of them with a huge number of uh, health problems who are now being told by the government they must stay in their homes for 12 long weeks ahead and that's stay indoors at all times no shopping no walking outdoors nothing now this is going to be absolutely devastating for a lot of these people who are at most high risk of uh, getting complications from coronavirus uh, let's talk about this now with Dame Esther Ranson, founder of the silver line a wonderful helpline uh, to connect uh, older people in fact 50s plus uh, many not that older but um, obviously many of those people will be in that category good morning to you Daymester
5: Good morning, Julia.
2: We, we spoke to you a couple of weeks ago and you gave the most wonderful advice. I think we we, we really were touched by about how perhaps asking older people uh, isolating right now about maybe, you know, writing down some of their uh, their memories of their lives and, and providing, not just a, not a journal, but just, you know, writing the story of their life for their younger relatives to learn more about them, um, which is a wonderful idea. I passed on to some of my relatives. I don't know if they're doing it yet or not, whether they're, uh, they're, they're sort of bored enough. But I think right now, today, there are going to be an awful lot of... Uh, elderly, vulnerable and lonely people who are really very, very scared, aren't they? How, how convinced are you that the government is getting the advice right and that they will be able to provide the sort of care and the sort of help, the food packages and the like, that these people who are being asked to isolate will need?
5: It's a very good question. I was talking to one of our um, Silver Line callers who has become a friend of mine, although we've never met. And she was in a problem because the company supplying her with the care she needs, she can barely walk, um, had rung her up and said they couldn't supply one. You know, as it is, she only has one shower a week. She's in Scotland where social care is free, but it appears there's huge stress on it. I think we can only, at this moment, hope that the government has, if they're behind the curve... Use that time to get the organization right. And I would beg older people and people with underlying health conditions to reach out for help. Please ask for help. If what you've been promised is not arriving, if you're running out of food, if you're not getting the care you need, now is not the time for the wartime spirit of stiff upper lip and all that. Use the telephone and reach out for help. You really must, because you are precious, we do care about you, and everybody at the government press press conference has been saying, this is about saving lives, and yours are the lives we want to save
2: yeah I mean that's a very important message it's because you are you are valuable to us uh, uh, you, you know you are you are parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and 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 brothers and sisters and we do we do care about you and this is a there is an issue particularly with the older generation of not wanting to make a fuss and I, I've been uh, caring for the uh, an elderly aunt of mine for the last few months I mentioned on the radio a few times and it's incredible how much even in you know the the most dire need how people of that generation just just you know no I'm fine and, and they almost sort of put on that brave face now is not the time uh, for, for that as you say but it's also the time not just for them to have to reach out uh, for help but for us to offer it and when someone yes. says no no I'm fine I don't need to chat well maybe you know what I'm going to keep calling you anyway yes. just in case you do want to chat if we all just thought of all the people we know who might be vulnerable in our lives yes. right now friends, colleagues, family members someone in our street and we just reached out to them if everyone did that once a day to a couple of people we could really make sure that people aren't feeling isolated. I agree. I was rung up yesterday,
5: if you'll pardon me, name dropping, by a fantastic artist, a brilliant singer called Elaine Page. (laughs) And she is normally as busy as could be doing concerts, doing shows, doing radio programmes, etc. So she had a bit of time on her hands and she said two things. One is she wants to be able to ring up people who are not getting phone calls. So what I'm doing is I'm looking through the people I know who are, have been totally isolated for years and have rung Silverline to see if I can pass on any contacts. First of all, asking them how they would feel if they got a phone call from Elaine. And I think they'd be rather ladies. chuffed. <laughs> Absolutely. Overjoyed. Overjoyed, they said. The second thing she told me is that she has videoed herself cleaning her own bath, singing... Don't cry for me I'm the cleaner. <laughs> and I think we owe it to each other to pass on a joke a day.
2: Yes and my and family certainly we've got a number of little WhatsApp groups now and we're certainly passing on uh, uh, the, those uh, the, those things and even if it just gives you a couple of minutes of just a chuckle uh, it it does it does make a difference it really really does. So look your your final advice to people listening right now they're in their homes they're thinking This is it for 12 weeks minimum. Let's be honest, this is 12 weeks minimum. Um, I may not be able to see my loved ones, my family, and I think a lot of us... I think i don't think i'm alone i think a lot of us struggled yesterday with mother's day and found it a very very difficult day to get through wondering if we're going to see our our parents uh, uh, again in, in months or ever at all and i think a lot of us really would have had a, a difficult day yesterday we're trying to keep our spirits up but let's be honest about when we're having bad days um what would you say to people right now who, who are facing that just right now what what should they do today to try and make that a better experience
5: well facetime is a wonderful thing so if you can use a smartphone and get FaceTime on it, I got my Mother's Day cards from my grandchildren by FaceTime. Lovely. I have a friend that I have wine o'clock with um, at around six o'clock by FaceTime. And it is lovely. It is not the same, but it's better than being entirely on your own. Giles Brandreth says, make yourself a plan, make yourself an organisation – Give yourself a daily structure. Say at nine o'clock, I'm going to do this. At half past ten, I'm going to do that. So that it doesn't all turn into what I believe is called these days a duvet day. I think um, if you've got a balcony, a window, have a look outside because the sun is shining and spring is coming. And remember, we have lived through tough times. We have survived them in the past. You are precious. If you need help, reach out for it. And make a phone call. Make a phone call passing on thoughts,
2: experiences, jokes, and write your life story. Dame Esther Ranson, always such a pleasure to speak to you, founder of The Silver Line. Great advice. Talk Radio
4: Breakfast with Julia Hardley Brewer and The Times. Know your times.
2: Let's uh, speak now to uh, the Health Secretary, Matt Hancock. Good morning to you, sir.
4: Good morning. How are Good morning. you?
2: Very well. I uh, appreciate you joining me. I, I imagine a rather another sleepless uh, uh, weekend for you. Um, there's lots of criticism of the government's uh, messaging at the moment, even if it's not of the actual policy, this mixed messaging, the contradictory messages. So many people out and about uh, on a lovely sunny weekend. Why do you believe people are ignoring the advice? Are they stupid? Are they ignorant? Are they foolhardy? Do they think they're invincible? What's going wrong?
4: Well, people need to follow the advice, Julia. And if not, we're going to have to take more action. Um, the The message is absolutely crystal clear, and in fact it 's emblazoned on the front of every single national newspaper, which is if you don't follow the public health advice, we 're going to have to take more action and the The sooner we stop the spread of this virus and we stop it by keeping apart from others, the sooner we stop the spread, the sooner we can start to recover, and we can you know take away some of the incredibly draconian measures that we 've had to take. We're perfectly prepared um, to take more action if we need to.
2: But, well, we're told this, and yet, and yet other countries like France, Italy and Spain, and the same sort of trajectory of uh, cases, they have already gone into lockdown. What is what is stopping the Prime Minister, what is stopping the government from, from moving into lockdown to ensure that everybody obeys the rules and keeps everyone else safe?
4: Well, that's not quite right, The uh, because the, those other countries that you mentioned, uh, they are uh, uh, quite a long way further forward in terms of, where the virus has got to and so the action if if the action that we took for instance on friday to close pubs and clubs and restaurants we took that earlier in the process than other european countries nevertheless that doesn't take away from the broader point which is it is my job as health secretary to protect life and to keep people safe and to do that if we need to take further action then we will
2: are we learning the lessons this is the concern that people have look none of us is a most of us listening i think aren't virologists we're aren't experts on these things um but are we learning the lessons of other countries and trying to act before yes. uh, things go wrong because lots of people yes. are worried that there's this is battle going on in part in in, in in the cabinet battle going on in number 10 and that the scientific advice isn't being followed can you assure everyone it's listening rubbish. right now that we are following that advice
4: absolutely that is the the whole basis of our approach is to follow the science. And um, the, the 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 way that we take those decisions um, is very collegiate, everybody working together. Uh, and that's uh, it's incredibly important that we follow the science, that we look at the information and we do everything we can to stop this spread so that then we can get through it as quickly as we can as a nation. I mean, I know that there have been some tough measures taken already, but I think the public understand why they need it.
2: OK, now, I know you're running, uh, you've got very important meetings to get to. So I've only have got a couple of moments with you. Uh, lots of things I want to ask you, but I'm going to ask, first of all, when are we going to see testing available across the population? So, say, for instance, my family and everyone I know who, who come down with what we think is the virus, we don't know whether it is or whether it isn't, whether we're now safe, whether we can yeah. pass it on to other people. When is that going to be available yeah. on a mass basis?
4: As, as soon as possible we've been working on when? that over the weekend buying i i i'm not going to give you a date until i can be absolutely sure of it is it I, is it
2: days or weeks
4: uh it's a matter of um we can we it's, it's somewhere in between the two we are working incredibly hard to get this as fast as we possibly can of course i understand how important it is
2: And how soon might we get those antibody tests so we can find out who has had the virus, perhaps had no symptoms and is then safe, uh, immune, unable to pass it on and can go back out and kickstart our economy and get us back working again?
4: Yes, well, we've been buying those tests, which are like home tests, so you don't have to take the results to a lab. We've been buying them over the weekend, actually, and my team are buying more this morning. So we're going to roll them out as soon as we can. We've got to get them here first into the country uh, I also want u k producers to start to um, turn their uh, uh, turn their talents to this um, but these are highly technical pieces of kit. And, um, uh, and and we have been buying them and we want to roll them out as soon as we can. And as soon as we do, I will let you know.
2: OK, just finally, we've had uh, 500 more doctors, 4000 new nurses signing up to the NHS appeal to return to the NHS yeah. in the first 48 hours. Uh, what's your message? Not just to those heroes, every single one of them, uh, but also all the frontline NHS staff, the ones that the porters, the, the, you know, the technicians yeah. who don't get a lot of the glory. What, what's your message to them this morning?
4: my message to everybody in the nhs family all colleagues who work at uh, doing any job in the nhs is that we are grateful the whole country is grateful because our country needs the nhs right now and you are doing the most important work in this country that there is which is to keep us safe so It's a great big thank you and also a commitment that I will do everything that I can to keep you safe and make sure you have the equipment that you need.
2: Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend.